You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 19 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I am very, very excited to bring you an interview with my dear friend, Becca Arruello. And she and I were roommates for almost two years, I think, uh, when I was working on staff with Back to Back Ministries. And Becca is still on staff with them, and God has brought her all over Mexico um, as she has followed him and um, just given her life to the Lord and served faithfully through back to back. So I'm so excited for her to share her story with you. So uh, Becca, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, before we dive into the work you're doing with back to back and kind of what God's been teaching you through that, I would love if you could share with your listeners a little bit about who you are and how you came to know the Lord. Yes. So my name is Becca, as Jess said, and I grew up in the church, thankfully. Um, I consider that a blessing. And um, so at church is where I really heard about relationship with Jesus, relationship with God. And I got really involved in our youth group. And honestly, with an organization called Young Life, there were people that pursued me and just showed up for things. And um, I felt seen, I felt known, I felt loved and valued. And people that were willing to pour into my life and teach me new things that I didn't understand or something that I had learned in the church and I didn't understand. And honestly, through that, um, I had a depth in my relationship with the Lord and how I came to know him and how I pursued him. And yeah. I love that. And so how did you learn about back to back and then end up being on staff? So in high school, it's the same as when those those young life leaders were pursuing me. Um, I had the opportunity to take a trip with my church. I'm originally from Oklahoma, and we would take 80 teenage students to Monterey, Mexico with back to back. And that's a lot of students for people that don't know that. That's a lot of people to take on a trip to Mexico on a mission trip. And I was one of those students. So my very first time with Back to Back, I was 16. And something that I vividly remember to this day is I stepped off the bus. And because there were so many students that were with me, they had invited some of the kids from the children's homes to have a cookout with us. And so we stepped off of our bus And I remember just seeing all these kids running around and my heart like leapt with joy because I just thought these are the cutest little things I have ever seen in my life. And I just wanted to go and play with them and push somebody on a swing. And um, it was literally that moment that I just knew something was different. I knew something was different about that place, about these kids, about this ministry, yet not knowing anything about back to back. So then um, 
I graduated high school and I could no longer be part of the youth. So I called back to back up randomly. They had no clue who I was. And I just said, I know my home church is going there for spring break and I'm not a part of the youth anymore, but is there a way that I could help intern during the week that they're there? And at that time, there might have been six people on staff in Monterey. I, I can't remember. There were not very many people on staff. So they were eager to have more hands to help them for a group of 80 students that were coming from Oklahoma. So they said, yes, that I could come. And so I am in my freshman year of college at this point. It was the first time that I flew by myself to Mexico. And I got there before the group. And then I left after my group from Oklahoma left. And that was the first time that I feel like my eyes were opened even just, just a little bit more. And, and I met a very special family that week um, by seeing what all happens before a trip and what all happens after a trip. It was, it was eye-opening, like I said. But in the midst of that, I found out that one of the families was looking for a nanny. And um, Matt and Julie Cooper, who are still on staff today, um, they had four kids at the time, and I believe Julie was pregnant. And I crazily went up to them and just said, like, I heard you're looking for a nanny. I love kids. I love this place. I'd love to be your nanny for the summer. And they were like, oh, okay, that's great. We don't know you, but sure, you can give us your number <laughs> and everything. Um, so I go back to Oklahoma after that week, and I, I think I am going that summer to Nanny, yet they have given me no confirmation in that at all. <laughs> so I am telling everyone, I'm telling everyone I'm going to go back for the summer, and I'm going to Nanny for this family. And meanwhile, it is crickets. I get no email from Matt and Julie Cooper. I get nothing, and I'm still telling everybody. So then... The beginning of May happened, and when they needed a nanny was for June and July. And the beginning of May happened, and they said, I got an email. And in that email, it said, we have no idea why, but we feel like the Lord is telling us to specifically bring you here. And I wrote back, I'm sure I did not say this, but in my mind, I'm like, I told you so. Like, I told you I was going to be your nanny. And um, anyways, then that's like the history of how then I got to go not only for a week, I was there for the summer. And, um, and yeah, so back to back just continued to be a part of my life and not something where it was like a one and done kind of mission trip. It was, it was definitely a more pulling on my heart and um, the Lord was doing more than I could even see in the, in each moment. So. Oh, I love that. I love how so many times in your story, you just go for it. Like <laughs> you're bold and fearless and you make the phone call or you like introduce yourself and you, you know what you want and you're not afraid to like put yourself on a limb and just let God take care of the rest. Mm. And that is so admirable. Like I've always seen that in you and I just love that. And it always encourages me to not be afraid to just like take a risk. Like what's what's the worst that could happen? I mean, they could say no, but I'll never know if I don't try. Um, right. So what might you say to somebody who's listening and is like, 
I want to be like that, but I'm terrified. Like Mm. that thought of just like introducing myself to a stranger or making a cold call seems so outside of their comfort zone. Well, I personally believe if it's going to, if it's a passion of yours that, that that time will come and it's a matter of us stepping out in faith. Honestly, that's, that's what it is. And sometimes we miss those opportunities that the spirit is putting in us um, to step out of our comfort zone. And so that would be my biggest encouragement is like, listen to those stirrings and listen and know your passion to be able to know when to step out and listen, listen to that. And yeah. Yeah. That's good. So really quick, before we go any further in your story, I've realized we've mentioned back to back like a hundred times. Um, <laughs> so could you quick give our listeners out there, um, if they've never heard of back to back, we have, I have had a couple other staff members on in past seasons. So it might sound sort of familiar to some of our listeners out there, but if someone's joining us for the first time, what is back to back ministries? What is their main focus? Yes, we, we are now a global ministry that comes alongside the orphan and vulnerable children and families um, in a holistic manner. And so we come alongside them spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially, and educationally. And to each child that we serve, we want to make sure that we are as back-to-back, standing back-to-back with them in, um, in their communities. I love that. Oh, it's so good. So as you continue to move forward with back to back, because I mean, it was essentially like your nanny job in college and you're still with them. Yes. (laughs) And our listeners can probably assume with me that you're not in college anymore. So what surprising doors did God continue to answer as you gave him your yes each step of the way? So, so yeah, so that first summer I nannied and I actually ended up nannying five summers after that in total. Um, the Coopers started with four kids and by the end of my nannying days, they had six kids. So, <laughs> um, my heart for back to back in those summers continued to grow deeper as I saw just what a community could look like living in community really being there for one another and the hard and the good, um, how to, how to work well with one another. There are so many things I learned, but each time that my eyes were open, it was like a, a bigger pool the Lord was putting on my heart. And so by the end of summer five, man, I was ready to come on staff. <laughs> um, my, my years in college years, I was, nanny or I was in the States going to school. And then in those summers, that's when I was in Monterey, Mexico specifically. And so in 2008, I graduated and August of 2008, I moved to Monterey, Mexico to be full-time staff. And I was supposed to only go for one year. Um, and I never really wanted to commit further on than that, but the Lord had another surprising door. (laughs) Um, and I have now been on staff with Back to Back for 14 years in August. This August will be 14 years, which is crazy to think about and say. Um, But even in just going to Monterey, I think the biggest surprise there was I fell in love. And um, so already in love with the ministry and what God was doing in that. (laughs) And 
then I fell in love with a boy who was also a part of back to back for a long time. And, um, you know him very yes. well, but <laughs> yes. Um, and, and yeah, so we fell in love and we got married, um, two, three years later. So we were both on staff with back to back for three years in Monterey. And then the strangest thing happened. Like I, I love people and I was finding myself not wanting to be around people. Hmm. And so I took that as a note of, hmm, this isn't really who I am. So maybe I just need to pray and see if I'm still where God wants me. Yeah. And so we were newlyweds and we had moved off of campus and there's a huge campus in Monterey. I don't know if people can picture that, but a lot of staff lived there at that time. But because we were there, our whole dating relationship, we decided to move outside of campus um, for our first year of marriage. And and in that first year, um, without even saying anything to my husband yet, he started saying to himself, man, like, I feel like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I've reached that capacity for what I'm doing and the role that I'm doing. I don't know if there's, if there's something else for me in this. In the meantime, I'm like, hmm, I am not really wanting to hang out with very many people. And that's not like me. So we are both praying separately. Then we started talking to each other and we thought, okay, something like the Lord is doing something. What it is, we don't know. But what we knew to do was to pray. Mm. And so for two months, we prayed like, Lord, are you pausing our time in Monterey? Are you telling us to move somewhere else? Like we literally had no idea. But um, Beth and Todd Guckenberger, who are executive directors of Back to Back, they took us out to dinner after six months of being married. And we just started talking and without them even knowing that we had been praying for two months, I thought <laughs> like praying for a while, um, they mentioned a new site that was opening with back to back and they had asked if we were interested. And at that point there was already this scout trip to go to, it was Mazatlan that they were talking about and and we said, well, we don't know. We can't say no because we've never been there. So, like, is there a way that we can see it? Is there a way that we can, like, give us some time to pray about it? And I remember Todd said, well, next week is a scout trip already going to Mothin Line. <laughs> so that next week, um, and, and like, e- even within that week, crazy things were happening staff that had that were going on this trip already had their tickets and it was double the price than what Roto and I paid with our tickets together and um and it was just very obvious that the Lord was opening doors for us to be able to go on the scout trip and see it these first night that we were in Mazatlan we had our feet in the ocean and my husband and I are not like beach people. So it was fun to be in the ocean, but, but we're not beach people. So as we're praying, um, we absolutely in that moment just felt the Lord saying, this is it. This is your next move and what I have for you. And he made it so very clear that our time in Monterey had come to an end and it was time to move on to what 
could be different, a new adventure, what he had for us as a married couple. So we moved um, right after that, really. Wow, as newlyweds. As newlyweds, we celebrated our one-year anniversary in Mazatlan. So that's how quickly we moved. Yeah. And um, and then through a series of events, we were the only staff there for a year. Wow. So we, as, as a ministry, we bring groups from the United States and all over if they want to come. Um, and we... We already had 12 groups signed up in Mazatlan to come for mission teams and to help what was on ground in Mazatlan. Um, And I remember Beth and Todd completely alongside us just saying, if it were any other couple, we don't know if we would be able to survive this. But we, like one thing that my husband and I knew, it was groups. We knew how to debrief groups. We knew how to run groups. We knew how to run projects. And we were building relationship in Mazatlan. And so... Um, Thus came the site of Mazatlan, and there came a point where they had asked if we wanted to be directors, and we said no, because it was... It was was a time in life where we, we were still newlyweds, and we... Every time we prayed about that answer and what we should say, there was no peace in either of our hearts, and so we took that as a sign. And um, when we said no, um, the Lord brought people that we did not know would be coming, which happened to be some of our best friends. So it was a very sweet season of life. And um, we lived there for seven years. And yeah, so that, so Monterey was one surprise. Monterey to Mazatlan was and a whole other surprise. Um, my husband and I had two kids and they are from, they were born in Mazatlan and they call them salty feet in Mazatlan. <laughs> if you ever go to Mazatlan, you can call your kids salty feet if they're from there. <laughs> and yeah, super cute. But um, so then I remember that we were asked by leadership to come here to Cancun. And I thought, there is no way. I have always said, never, no. I thought by this point, after almost seven years in Mazatlan, I literally thought that's where we would be for the rest of our lives. And it's almost like when you start thinking that, the Lord's going to do something. And so um, I honestly, once again, I just said, I, I need time to pray. I need time to think and and ask the Lord what he wants out of this because it's not a decision for me. I just want to be in his will. Yeah. And so as, as Roto and I were praying and um, leaving, we knew we would be leaving a very sweet season of life. Um, I hear like crickets, mm. nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm like, okay, how much time do I have? Like two more weeks. Okay, okay, okay. And then a week passes and people are asking, I still don't know. I still don't know. Because one thing we all know is you cannot rush the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) It's his timing. But at that point, my husband and I, we were both fasting and praying on, on, is this something we should do? And because I wasn't hearing anything, we were being very diligent in our prayer time, very diligent and just like, we, we want to hear from you, Lord, and we only want to do what you want for our family. So my friend had told me that she started praying for us 
And what she was praying for was for the Lord to, at that point, um, speak to us through a dream or through someone else. Um, but there, that there would be very clear, like almost writing on the wall kind of things is what we are praying. And that's what I wasn't seeing anything. And so that's when my friend told me, I'm going to start praying this for you, that somebody like the Lord gives somebody a dream out there and it's just exactly what you need. And so a week and a half passed and the two week mark was almost up and it's still crickets. Somebody that was in the States, knew nothing of anything that Roto and I were processing through, randomly sent me a voice text and said, Becca, I had the strangest, most real dream about you last night. (laughs) And I, I mean, I just, my eyes lit up and I had no clue what she was about to say, but I knew it was the moment. (laughs) This is the moment that literally had been praying and fasting for. And so, and the fact that, of course, he used somebody that was so far out of my circle of what was even happening, it was just very loud and clear in that moment. And so in that dream, she had talked about many things, but um, lots of the visuals were things that are actually here in Cancun. Like there were open malls and that's almost every mall here is an open mall. Like the stores are all around it, but the roof, it's just open air. And, um, and the, one of the biggest things that I remember from her dream was that there was this rope and we were clinging to it, Roto and I were, and almost that that, that that is the, the hope of the Lord. And so as long as we have that, we're going to be okay. She's like, I don't know where you were, but very specific things. You were somewhere with back to back, but I don't know where you were. And it was just very evident in that moment that the Lord, Lord had something for us in it. And it was going to be hard. It wasn't, it wasn't really easy right off the bat. Um, and moving our family of four, our, our youngest was one and a half at that point. So um, but, but really also in that moment, Beth Guckenberger was learning Hebrew words. And so all of this kind of happening in the same time frame, um, just kind of kept putting the stamp on the, okay, we're supposed to go. We're supposed to go. Yeah. Um, she had learned about the Hebrew word Hineni and it's, um, basically like, here I am, like whatever you're about to ask of me, I'm already in agreement with it. And she at our at our staff meeting had just said that the same day we were going to be telling our staff that we were moving to Cancun. And it was just, yes, like, yes, that is the posture of where our hearts want to be. And many yeah. is like our life call, man. Yeah. And we um and that we just, yeah, once again, it was just another stamp of the Lord saying, like, I got you. Don't worry, I, I've got you. And so yeah, and and still today, no matter how hard it is, what and where do we want the posture of our hearts, me and my husband both? And it's something we continuously go back to, you know, like, do we have that, our hearts in the posture of Hanini, whatever yeah. is asked of us that we're already saying yes to? Yeah. And so, yeah, so there were lots of surprises in my 14 years of back to Oh Being my gosh. And now living in Cancun. And I've been here since 
uh, or for four and a half years. Wow. Well, and all along the way, all along your story, I love too how you're so rooted in knowing who God created you to be. Like initially in Monterey where you you weren't feeling like yourself, you didn't try and fill that with like, well, I better be busier. I better force myself to do this. Instead, you recognize like, Lord, this isn't me. So what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the root of this? And I just think that's so powerful. And that's for somebody out there who's listening, who may be in that ki- same kind of season where they just don't feel like themselves and they're trying to fill that with other worldly things. And I just want to encourage someone out there to just pause and rest in the Lord and seek Him with that because there could be kind of a deeper purpose behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are things that you do to remain rooted in that true identity of who God created you to be? Mm-hmm. Yes, I am a firm believer in accountability and mentorship. I, from, gosh, high school, I I think it honestly stems from all those young life leaders that were, that were in my life and, um, and the church leaders. And as you know, as I um, got very involved with my church back in the day, there was always leadership that was pouring into me. And I think that's where my love for mentorship comes from Mm -hmm. and um, mentorship of being mentored and always having that accountability and recognizing the importance of it. So I think that's one way is find your people. Like Mm -hmm. we've got to find our people that can, that we can be vulnerable with, that they can be vulnerable with. And how can we, help, especially now in the world, there's so many things echoing different things and different beliefs. And how can we stay rooted with all the noise around us? Yeah. And um, I know that accountability and mentorship has helped me in my journey along the path, stay rooted. And also just, man, if you ever don't know what your identity is, Ephesians 1 and 2 will smack that in your face, tell you exactly who you are in Christ. And those are the chapters in the Bible that I will always go to. And I um, I used to have, I don't, I couldn't find it right before this, but I used to have this um, piece of paper and on it were things from Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. And mm. it was basically telling me who I am in Christ, but also a way for me to not only just look at those words, but believe them. Yeah. And so I remember back in the day, I would be looking in the mirror and I would tell myself, you are forgiven. You are God's masterpiece. You were created for a purpose you are chosen. You, they're Ephesians 1 and 2. <laughs> and I'm adopted. And, and as I say those things, it's almost like those affirmations of just really speaking those out over myself. But, but also doing a heart check in the moment of, do I really believe that? Hmm. Like, are there, are there things that I'm struggling with? Like, do I believe I was chosen? Okay. As I'm saying it, if I'm hesitant, maybe I don't really believe that. So let's dig a little bit deeper. And um, do I believe that I'm his masterpiece? If I hesitate at all looking at myself in that mirror, maybe there's something in there that's missing. 
And so let's get deep with the Lord and figure out what that is, because the reality is I am those things and everyone are those things if they have a relationship with Jesus. And, and so those are ways that I have been able to, in my personal journey with the Lord, um, continue to stay true to knowing who I am and as his daughter who's following him. Mm, I love that. So as you've been on this journey with the Lord for decades now, what are some things that he has shown you about his character that you love the most? Mm, That's such a great question. I think um, remembering that there is joy even in the hard, yeah. even all around you. And we just have to look at it and look for it because it's kind of like those promptings of our passion. Like it, they're so easy to miss sometimes. And if our if we train our eyes to be open, the Lord's character is joyful and the Lord's character, he gives us good gifts. And, um, and, and those gifts are there, whether we can recognize them or not. And I think it's a matter of, of us remembering to open our eyes and look towards him and to look for those good things, even in, in hard seasons. Mm. Amen. I love that. Oh, I love the joy of the Lord. That's one of my favorites too. Um, we are almost out of time. So as we wrap up today, I was wondering, what did I miss? What is a final thought or story or just anything that's on your heart that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Hmm. Gosh, I feel like I could just keep talking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I... Um, Motherhood on the field is is really fun and really hard, yes. <laughs> and um, something that if if people are out there living their passion, living their living their dream, something that's really helped me is knowing where my margin is. Ooh. Um, from from the time that I had babies, I knew my life was drastically going to change. And so making sure those things were in place, that still filled me up, but, but also being able to let go of some things. Mm. And, and, and that way it helps create your margin for you. And then you know where you're able to give all your attention to in those moments. And so I think the hardest part is maintaining that margin and keeping that margin. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, knowing your margin, I think I think for anyone, I just know in motherhood specifically on the mission field, that has that has helped me know when when I am able to go serve and give a hundred percent in that, and when I am able to be home and when I'm able to have the family with us as we're out serving. And I um I don't know, that's a valuable lesson that I've learned in my life that I still today keep with me. So yeah, I think that's so good. And yeah, knowing even, you know, I don't have kids yet, but even knowing what is healthy for me to say yes to or when I'm 
trying to say yes because I'm striving and trying to fill a void versus like, what does God have for me now? You know, and I love how part of your story, you know, was when you knew to say no to being directors and God had so much purpose in that no to bring some of your best friends to be able to serve alongside of you. But if you had just plowed through and felt like you had to say yes, because, you know, that seemed like the quote unquote right thing to do, you know, to look good to the world, you know, you might, you would have missed out on some sweet times that God was trying to give you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, that is good. Becca, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. Oh, what a great conversation with Becca. I just loved hearing her share her story of giving God her yes and just being so clear in who she is created to be and what the passions are that God has given her. And she mentioned in the interview um, the Hebrew word hineni and um, you know how it's that, that yes to God. And it's that idea of yes without knowing the outcome or without knowing what you're actually saying yes to, uh, which can be really scary. That's a, that's a crazy, crazy concept of this, like stepping out of faith and saying yes without knowing what you're saying yes to. It doesn't seem logical in the world's view. Um, but that's so often, I think, what God asks us to do. And sometimes we get glimpses of, of where He's taking us or what the yes is. But so often we don't get the full picture until we start walking it out. And even then we might not get the full picture. I, um, as Becca was talking, was reminded of the sermon a few weeks back at my church on Acts 8, 26 through 40. Um, this, this is a story of the eunuch who is, who meets, um, Philip who was on a missionary journey in the desert. And um, this eunuch was traveling from Africa. He was, the, they say Ethiopian, um, but my pastor was describing to us how Ethiopia at that time would have been um, like the Nubia or the land of Cush. So it's kind of where we're at. And it was a very wealthy kingdom that had a queen. And this eunuch was actually one of the top people in the, the queen's court. And so as he's traveling, you know, I kind of, I had heard this story before and I always pictured just kind of this like solo guy walking through the desert. But in reality, he would have had a large entourage and a lot of wealth. And he was going on this pilgrimage and I'm actually coming back from um, Jerusalem, I think. I have to double check that. Um, and that's where he runs into Philip. And so he had already been introduced to the, to this idea of um you know, the message of Jesus. And yet he had a lot of questions. And so when he meets Philip, it's like God has been doing work in him already. And then his path intersects with Philip at this perfect time. And he's reading this passage from Isaiah that talks about Jesus, but he doesn't know who's being talked about. And so he's able to ask Philip that. And, you know, through their conversation, this eunuch ends up getting converted and gives his life to Jesus and he's baptized right there. And then he travels back home and he brings this good news with him. And he becomes the first missionary to Africa. And the queen is led to Christ and she promotes Christianity throughout the whole kingdom of Cush. And so it's this like radical encounter that feels like such a chance encounter. And yet it was completely ordained by the Holy Spirit. And Philip's obedience to engage in the conversation 
led to so many lives being changed. You know, he gave this Hanani, this yes, and he'll, he never knew the outcome of that. You know, he, he knew that the eunuch was baptized, but Philip had no idea then what would have happened when the eunuch went back home and all the work that the Lord did through this transformation that took place in his life. Um, but one other thing that stood out to me was in the very beginning of this story, it talks about how they're in this desert place. And, you know, you associate the desert, or I associate the desert with barren, lifeless, hot, sticky. Um, and yet in this place, God used, God used this place um, for an amazing thing to happen. So this idea that amazing things can happen in unlikely places. And I think we saw that all throughout Becca's story where wherever she went, God used her and her yes and her faithfulness and her obedience to build a community and to touch the lives of the people that she came in contact with. And I think that's exactly what God is trying to do in each of our lives. As we say yes to Him and as we open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, He wants to use us right where we are. And it might seem like an unlikely place. It may seem like a a barren place, like a desert. Um, Maybe you don't see a lot of life and fruit in your life right now, and yet God can still use you right where you are and bring about something beautiful in this current season. And so I just encourage you to look for Him in the unlikely places of your life, to give Him your Hanani, your yes, and um, to not be afraid to take maybe a bold risk to move forward, maybe making that phone call or initiating that conversation that you you need to have. Um, so whatever it may be. And, um, you know, as you do those things, I'd love to hear about them. Feel free to email me at jess at collectedministries.com if you have any stories about saying yes to God and, and what he did through that. Maybe you'd like to be interviewed on the podcast, or maybe you would just like me to pray with you and pray for you in whatever season you're in. Um, I would love to do any of those things. So I hope you are having a wonderful week. Um, check us out over at Collected Ministries on Instagram. I post um, sort of weekly posts over there, but trying to get better at that. Um, but there's more content throughout the week. So just trying to continue to encourage and bring hope um, with wherever you may find yourself right now. So I hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.